Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast in the history of man where two guys talk about comic books. Uh, those two guys specifically are brothers, and I'm one of them, Kevin Hines. I'm the other one, Will Hines. Yeah, so exciting for you guys to hear two people talk about comics, two guys especially. Never happens. Never happens. It's rare. It's a rare treat. Yeah. Uh, uh, Will and I are sort of comedians and sort, sort of. of comic book experts and sort of uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah, we're like really middling in every qualification you could That's possibly right. have for uh, for a podcast on this. Like think of like a jack of all trades. But like they're a little bit worse than everything. Like a, a ten of all trades. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what we are. A ten um, of all trades. And uh, uh, some people call us the milk sops. That was not our idea, but it's happened, and I'm sort of encouraging it. And uh, Kevin, we're beginning something exciting today. Yeah, this is probably the most demanded series that you you've specifically been demand. People want you to read this. Well, yeah, uh, we're going to go over the Superior Spider-Man Dan Slott's run from I guess starting in 2012. Yeah, it's um, the the Superior Spider-Man ran thirty-one issues plus a couple annuals that we're not going to cover, and a couple um, other odds and ends. And there were, so we're going to cover all the main issues as well as the first, the three preceding amazing Spider-Man issues that kind of led into this run. Yeah. Uh, we'll cover this across six episodes. Yep. Today we're going to cover issue six ninety-eight in depth, and then also six ninety-nine and seven hundred. Yeah, so that's the amazing Spider-Man issues that lead into this. Right, and then and, next episode uh, where we cover Superior Spider-Man, we'll cover issues one, two, and three. We'll go in depth on issue one, and then we'll kind of talk about two and three. So it's sort of like our Secret Wars uh, season where we talked about some issues in depth and some issues we kind of just recapped. Yeah, and so if you really want to be on the lo- – if you're like somebody who likes to read along or have read the issues ahead of time, if you follow us on social media – I'll just plug this right now – Screw It Comics – um, on our Instagram and screw it comics on Twitter. You'll, you'll be up to date on exactly what issues we're doing for every episode. Mm-hmm. If you care about that, if you don't care, Hey, then leave, then just download our episode, our podcast willy nilly and listen, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I would say, especially if you're on Marvel unlimited, definitely read a uh, six and 700 and then at least one through 10. Uh, you might want to just keep reading after that, but at least read that far. I would say, um, yeah, I am reading this for the first time and I am loving it. I'm really excited. I felt, and I'll talk about it a little bit. I feel so dumb that I've put it off. It's one of those, there's, there's things that happen. I'll just, I'll just say it now in my life where something will get recommended to me incessantly by everybody. And I won't do it. Like Game of Thrones, the TV show is one of these things where you, Kevin, and other people I knew were like, Will, you, this is a good show. It, it was a combination of you'd like it. And also this is a good show that people would like that people like in general, and you are a person. And so therefore you will like it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then finally, after Game of Thrones had five seasons, when season six was starting, I was like, I guess I'll check it out. Watched the first episode, loved it immediately, right yeah. away, and immediately started binging all the seasons. Um, this has happened to me several times with things, and now it's happening with Superior Spider-Man. I'm, I'm one over almost right away, like halfway through the the first issue of the story, the Amazing Spider-Man issue that we're going to talk about, I was in yeah. love with it, and I'm loving it more and more as it goes. I'm up through Superior Spider-Man number four. That's where I personally have read. Yeah, and I, we're and not I, gonna, 
We're not we're going not that far. Cover those issues today, but Will can't stop himself. He's going to keep reading at his own pace. Yeah. And why don't we make other announcements about what else we're doing with this? Our podcast. We're switching our format slightly. Why don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We're famous for changing our minds about how we format the show consistently. Yeah. People uh, say that you want a big audience, you should stay consistent so people can know what to expect. We we thwart that by changing our mind all the time about what we're right. doing. There's uh, so, no way to know what's coming. So we're no longer going to cover emails for the most part, in our regular episodes. We're going to start doing what we did during the interview season, which is periodic episodes where we do just a mailbag. Yeah. Uh, but to make it more interesting, like if you don't care about our mailbag, you're going to still want to listen to these episodes because these are going to be the episodes where Will and I talk about uh, Chris Claremont's X-Men run, uh, the probably most important run of comics in Marvel's modern history. Yeah, we're kind of get around to it and devote half an episode now and then. Yeah, that's right. We we have not read it. We uh, have often mentioned on the podcast that we should read it or we should have read it. Um, so every time we do a mailbag episode, Will and I will spend about half an hour talking about the, uh, five issues of that X-Men run. Um, and just general thoughts. We won't go page by page on anything. I mentioned uh, this, And then we'll cover a few emails. I mentioned this to our super fan, Chris Gethard, uh, who was also a guest in our season of guests. He's mainly known as a fan of this podcast. His primary credit is being yeah. a fan of this podcast, right. I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably how he bills himself when he goes on the road and he does stand-up shows. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard. You know me from listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about <laughs> yeah, that's right. comics. That's how he announced himself. <laughs> uh, in his yeah. book, he, he, his books are, I think, 90% about listening to our podcast. <laughs> His future uh, books will be. Yeah. For um, sure. But uh, uh, he, I pointed that I said, Oh, we're going to, he, or uh, he, he follows us on social media. So when, when um, I saw him on his Twitch show last Wednesday, the planet scum live show that I have now become a co-host of just sure. Because, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I keep showing up, but um, I, you know, he's like this mutants and mailbags. He said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you have found a way to be even more disrespectful than before, <laughs> not reading. It was disrespectful. And now you're devoting half an episode now. And then to like, as you say, probably the most important run in Marvel's modern yeah. history. Right. Like, but you could also argue that this will go beyond this season. We'll spend a long time covering it. It'll mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. almost be the backbone of our show going forward. So in a way, yeah. it's more important. Yeah, that's not how uh, Gether sees it. Yeah, but but it's we under are the skin. It's under the skin. You don't need to see it. The bones are there. We're gonna do mutants and mailbag now and then, where we cut, we do emails and we and we we talk about Claremont's X Men. And I've also started reading that. Kevin is not, and I love that too. So I'm really yeah. excited to get into that. And we're probably gonna do one of those next week, right? Yeah, we're because we've already had emails piling up. Um, we're getting popular. We're getting like more and more emails, and people are listening. It's we're, we're not sure how to take this. We see ourselves as Peter Parkers, not as Spider Men. So it's yeah. weird for us to to become uh, to become more popular. But I think that's yeah. happening. So we got to do it. We got to do a mailbag episode. Tune sweet. Um, and because we're we're going to be covering mutants in it, we won't get through as many emails. So maybe they'll become pretty frequent. I don't or know. We'll, or we'll give the mutants the short shrift and to cover all the emails and talk about the mutants not much at all. Uh, we're also getting a lot of emails. This is, and we'll talk about this when we do a mailbag episode. A lot of people talk about watching it with their significant others who like don't read comics. Why, why uh, would this be the one? I wonder. I don't know. And they just talk about like, oh, uh, somebody specifically said uh, you they like this podcast because we don't sound like obnoxious, typical podcasters. <laughs> I guess like our, 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 ironically, our lack of qualifications make us mm -hmm. kind of humble because we have to be, because we kind of don't always know our stuff. 
I mean, you you actually know our stuff, so maybe it's my dumbness that like that like makes it accessible. Um, maybe it's because we're not prepared. Like, I think I listen to a bunch of these now since we've started yeah, me, doing it. I've listened too. to more comic book podcasts, and I think most people write down what they're going to talk about a lot more than we do. Like, they have scripts that they There's then sort amazing, of like. This is going to sound so of. dumb. There's some amazing comic book podcasts. Oh yeah, I've listened to several episodes of the Amazing Spider Chat and really loved it. Like, yeah, boy, oh boy, they know their stuff. They like yeah, the Amazing really Spider know. Chat guys. Uh, I'm on their Slack. They're really nice. Uh, or they're, they're really one nice. One of them on the Slack. One of them is really nice. The other guy I don't know as well, but seems really nice. They're definitely. That sounded like you were about to say he wasn't nice. I, I just like don't know him. Okay, the, we're just we're not gonna we're not just gonna hand out our you're nice. A compliment I, without having direct evidence. But but I consider myself a big Spider-Man expert, but I also have huge, huge gaps. They've read every issue of the comic. It's amazing. And have opinions on like every issue of the it's comic. Weird to say that something about Spider-Man is amazing, but that's what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I listened um, to their Ron Friends episode where they go panel uh, by panel over the Q to collect Spider-Man and woof, is that a good episode? Yeah, that's just Dan and that one. Um, not as not as awful co-host Mark. <laughs> um, well, I reckon I re- if you haven't listened to Spider-Chat, I... Every episode I've listened to is great, and that that one, the kid who collects, is a really good, a really good one. At, uh, I got hooked on. I listened to one from a while back when they, uh, I think they reposted one with Defalco about Steve Ditko or something like that. Um, when Ditko passed, they like reposted one, and I, I listened to that, and I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah, Tom, These guys, they, Tom, did they interview Tom Defalco. They get everybody, man. Oof, what are we doing? Uh, I mean, here we had Chris Gethard, fan of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. We had it. We had the the biggest fan of our podcast as a guest. So I guess I guess we're doing all right too. Uh, but yeah, if you if you like Spider Man, Amazing Spider Chat's great. Uh, explaining the X Men is a better one to listen to than our X Men podcast. Oh yeah, it's so great. I listened to their Chris. Now we're just promoting other people's podcasts. I yeah. listened to um their Chris Claremont episode where they interview Chris Claremont, and it's a great interview. And Claremont is a great guest. Uh, maybe we'll try to get him. Um, our producer Ryan is like really been really good at getting some some yeah he got a bunch guests, of great so. guests but uh, uh, whether or not we get Claremont on um, he he's a great guest on the X Men Explained podcast that was mm-hmm. a tr- they they really know their stuff sure Do we know anything like what are we doing this we are the one podcast that should not exist. In this but we, comic book, but we, but we are, corner. we do know our, like, we're not total idiots. Like, we've read these comics no, for years no, and years. We were, read a, if you're at a party and you're talking about comic books, we should probably be in the corner with you talking about those comic books. We shouldn't okay. be recording it and making people shouldn't be, you shouldn't be downloading Actually, this. I disagree. You really do know a ton. You, you have read a insanely high volume of comics starting back from when we started, which is like the mm-hmm. early 80s, like 83, we started reading. And um, I know there's fans who go back a lot further than that, but to have read a ton of comics from 83 on is a lot. And mm-hmm. of course we dove into the back issues a lot. And in particular, Marvel really had not been around that long in 1983. Yeah. And we dove back into that back catalog pretty deeply. So we are qualified. I'm not, I'm not saying we ain't nothing, yeah. but next to these, you know, when I, when I yeah. put in a podcast where they have like some real super experts, I'm listening and I'm going, Oh boy, should we even should we even be doing this? <laughs> there's no series we've talked about covering or have covered where I don't know there's another podcast out that has that done is it like better. better at it. Uh because we've talked about doing Power Pack. And so I listened to Unpacking the Power Pack podcast. Okay, yeah. Um, and I just listened to the ones where they did interviews. They interviewed uh John Bogdad Bogdagnev. I can't pronounce his name, but Bogdagnevich. Uh, Every comic book creator has an unpronounceable name. Yeah. He was sort of the second artist on that series. And the interview with him is so good. I, so, I mean, they also it. interviewed Louise Simmons, Simonson and June Brinkman, the original creator. Incredible. 
Um, but the, uh, and those are also great interviews, but the, the one with John is so fun. It's a, it talks about Walt Simonson a lot. It's just delightful and great and wonderful. Um, June Bregman's is also great to be, they're all great. I love the people who get these interviews. Right, I, gotta, really, I gotta listen to this. I gotta, they're knocking this. it out I of love the park. power pack. All right. So look, we're your second best podcast on any, and any topic we cover. <laughs> That's right. But, we're the uh, 10 of all, the 10 of all the trades, 10 of all trades, the 10 of all trades for, for this topic. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps our, perhaps our lack of know-it-allness is charming. I also do a Beatles podcast and I, we also are like less informed. There's tons of Beatle podcasts period. And many of those Beatle podcasts are really, really like yeah. informed about the, the, you know, the, cause there's a massive amount mm-hmm. to know about the Beatles and my podcast. Um, we're just, we're just not. Yeah, <laughs> Ringo stars podcast on the Beatles is pretty good. <laughs> I wish there was one. <laughs> Honestly, his would be the least informed. His would be definitely less informed than mine. But it might I'm, be the most fun. Oh, it would for sure be the most fun. Let, let's digress here. Ringo Starr was, uh, Stephen Colbert had Ringo on. And I guess Colbert does a thing where he asks like a series of, like a speed round of questions to guests. There's a name for this thing and I don't know what it is. Um, this is on his current late night show? Yes. Late show? On late show, yeah. And it's like the, questionnaire or something. Oh, okay. I'm embarrassed that I don't know what it is, but somebody sent me this video of Ringo being on it. And, um, and so Colbert asks a series of questions. It is awesome for a number of reasons. First of all, Ringo is just a good sport. These questions are deliberately kind of fluffy and like, like favorite color or like, you know, whatever. And he just answers them all so decisively and with a spirit of fun. And then he'll back it up when Steven challenges, why'd you say that or whatever? Um, Ringo is just obviously an expert interview subject, probably just from having yeah. been, you know, interviewed since he was whatever, 22 by every news outlet in the world. But um, he also, there was some Beatles questions. He answers those very definitively. Like if you ever asked Paul McCartney, what's your favorite song? He understandably says, I have so many favorites. I can never pick. They go, Ringo, favorite song. He goes, come together. <laughs> or he goes, no, go. If you go to a desert island and only have one song to listen to, what would it be? He goes, come together. Like he answered so fast. And right. obviously that's not his real answer, but he's like, oh, I'll answer this. Yeah, and, who they, cares? And, and they go, why that one? Not that that's a bad choice. He goes, oh, we're surprised that your favorite Beatles song. He goes, oh, great memory, good recording. And it's very John. I love it. And as he's talking, I'm like, that is a good answer. That's a really good answer <laughs> to that question. But then even better, after like one more, Ringo just wraps up the interview and leaves like before it's done. He's like, all right, Stephen, this has been good. See you. And just ends it. And Stephen's like, all right, I guess that's the end of the segment. But I was also Ringo was right. He did it like at a good time. It was kind of was it kind of was wrapping up or it felt like it was wrapping up. I was like, Ringo knows even the host didn't know it was ending, but Ringo (laughs) knew it was ending. So actually, if Ringo had a Beatles podcast, it would be poorly informed, but great. Yeah. Uh, if he had a Spider-Man podcast or a comic book podcast, it would be better uh, than ours. That'd be that'd be the best scenario. If Ringo, Ringo had Star, a comic book podcast, that Ringo would Ringo Starr talking about Ditko era Spider-Man comics. <laughs> well, I don't know the man, but I'm looking at him. He seems colorful and, you know, the red <laughs> costume's very nice. You know, Ooh, he's got Nat May over here. <laughs> she's quite old. Oh, now she's not as old. No, now she's old again. Um, so we should talk a little bit about Superior Spider-Man in general before we get into this issue, Let's right? Let's do it. Yeah. So Dan Slott had been on uh, Spider-Man for a long time at this point. Okay. Um, he uh, Spider-Man the basically, writer. 
Dan Slott was the writer. He was part of a team of writers that took over Spider-Man after the marriage was sort of magically removed from the comics. Uh, and uh, Brand New Day was sort of this uh, series uh, that started after that. Okay. He was one of like four or five writers that was involved in that. And they ran that comic for a while. And then at some point, it went from three times a month to twice a month and had one writer. And that one writer was Dan Slott. And so he was kind of writing it with this group of people. And then he took over as the only writer and he was on for a long time. And in general, I think the comics were great. I think this is a great era of Spider-Man comics. I was really enjoying it. I was reading them all. I had not been reading the recent stuff just before it. Cause I didn't like it. Um, uh, but like anything, it would be like, there'd like be big moments and then sort of like, you'd sort of take the comic for granted. You'd be like, oh, this here's another good issue of Spider-Man. Read, read, read. Um, and then this storyline hits, which spoiler alert is all about Dr. Octopus taking over Spider-Man's body. Yeah. So he becomes Spider-Man. Yes. Um, I don't know if it was hyped or promoted or if people knew this was coming. I didn't. So I read this issue and I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it seems like the kind of idea that normally would be a one or two part issue where there'd be like Doc mm -hmm. Ock would take over. You'd have one or two issues of like dealing with that, you know, a fine idea for a yeah. story. And then it would be wrapped up and things are back to normal. But this is presented as if it's the new status quo. And then it stays that way for quite a while. And it, it's had to have been, people had to have known Superior Spider-Man was coming. and Because we'll, uh, it's only like, three issues later that it debuted. So it's been promoted. They definitely didn't necessarily know that that was going to be Doc Ock as Spider-Man. Yeah. It could be like Peter Parker's next superior. It could have been Miles Morales as a superior Spider-Man. Sure. You don't necessarily know what the... what. Yeah, what, in, in Marvel Comics, just changing the adjective in the title could mean nothing. Like, could mean nothing. when the spectacular Spider-Man started as the second Spidey title, they kind of spun it like, oh, we're going to focus more on Peter Parker than Spider-Man. But essentially, it was just more of the same. That's right. Which yeah. is fine. But like... Marvel releasing another title could just mean we're doing more stories on this character. Um, but yeah, but at the end of this issue 700, when it's clear that Doc Ock is the new Spider-Man, uh, Dan Slott and Marvel editors basically came out and said, yeah, this is it forever. And people would get really mad, like, you killed Peter Parker? And they're like, yeah, and he's never coming back, is what they would say. Uh, which infuriated people, which is also hilarious because, of yeah, course, Peter Parker is going to come back. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny that anybody would believe it was permanent, but people got so mad. I mean, Dan Slott got death threats. I mean, people of this comic love series. to get mad, right? They just look for an excuse, especially comic book fans. They love to be appalled. Uh, it's so funny to me how much people really dig into yeah. feeling appalled. It's like, Hey, why don't you just trust these Marvel guys? Like yeah. either it's a bad idea, like the clone saga and it goes away or it's a good idea and it stays in a similar sense to like when Captain America lost, uh, his shield to, uh, uh, whatever, John Walker, the U.S. agent. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, what that does is it sort of shows what makes the original characters more than just his trappings, right? Captain right. America it, is more than his shield. Spider-Man is more than his powers. What makes yes. Peter Parker such a great Spider-Man? Yeah. And this series highlights that by taking it completely away from you in a really I fun way. But people- So excited about it. People took the name Superior Spider-Man and the fact that Doc Ock often talks about how he is superior to Peter Parker in every way. Yeah. And they're like- Dan Slott thinks this guy's better. He made this guy better. Obviously, he made this guy a better superhero. And he's like, he is not a better superhero. He's a very different superhero. Yeah. He's total idiots would think that I have to say, I'm sorry. Anyway. It's, it's uh, I'm, I love it. I, I am, I am hooked right away. I, I cannot believe how much they devoted to this. Like they must've had such yeah. respect for Dan 
and such respect for the idea that they were willing to devote a title and so many yeah. issues to, you know, what could, like I say, what could have been a two or three issue idea. Yeah. Uh, Dan Slott has never answered my emails. I've emailed him only twice though. Uh, so yeah. I don't necessarily know this for sure, but I believe three that strikes, this was only one more strike, Dan. Yeah. I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't dare pitch. I don't want to strike him out. <laughs> um, I know he, I think this was a thing that was like, it was going to run for 12 or 15 issues, but it was so popular. They expanded it a little bit. Um, it's so well done. I mean, again, I'm only in yeah. the early issues of it, but it is, it starts off with so, so well done. So intriguing. I can't wait to read the next issue. I'm completely hooked. Uh, I'm so happy that it's so good. It, it has been recommended to us probably more than any other single title. We've had many things recommended mm -hmm. to us, you, often very good suggestions, but this was the most frequent one. And I can see why. As a Spider-Man fan, I was missing out. This is an important event in the comics history. It's well done. I'm, so, I'm psyched. I can't wait. I mean, it's also a great, because uh, Doc Ock is often... Sometimes treated as a joke. Sure. Sometimes he's treated as a legitimate threat to Spider-Man. Sometimes he's treated like um, a pathetic, also ran a former villain. Even like in the Secret Wars series we read, he seemed more like a cackling henchman than a yeah than a, a master arch nemesis. Right. And this I mean, puts him back up on that. Uh, and and Dan Slott did a lot of preceding stories that did this as well. But like Dan Slott treats Doc Ock as a legitimate threat. I mean, as a Spidey fan, even before I read Superior Spider-Man, Doc Ock is always the villain in the best yeah. Spidey stories. His very first appearance, Spider-Man number three, was an excellent issue. Yeah. Maybe the first one where Ditko's art like kicked up a notch, already beautiful, kicked up a notch for issue three. The Master Planner saga, as we've said many times, one of the all-time great Spidey stories, the all-time great Ditko story, I would mm -hmm. say, and many other people agree. Uh, the video game that we love, Doc Ock is the villain. Spider-Man number two, directed by Sam Raimi, is a lot of people's pick for the best Spidey movie. It's my pick for the best Spidey movie. He, it's always Doc Ock. Green Goblin yeah. is the premier villain. I Absolutely, that is the Joker to Spidey's Batman. But Doc Ock actually makes better stories. He's always yeah, there. People, people have hit um, out of the park with him more. He's really fun. Um, anyway, this, is a, this sort of changes his character somewhat. Uh, uh, but in all ways that I think improve the character, it's all additive. It makes this character more interesting and more fun to me. I also anyway. love, I also love that the title superior Spider-Man, most of the time, the Marvel adjective is unnecessary, right? It's just Stan Lee salesmanship. Yeah. The incredible Hulk. The incredible is unnecessary, right? It doesn't right. like tell you anything about the story. Um, but like superior Spider-Man is part of the hook doc. Ock. Yeah believes he can do Spider-Man better than Peter Parker did yes. and makes a case for that. Um, yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a compelling one. And so the title actually means something. Marvel has been in a burst of having like the um, title mean something because the Hulk right now is the immortal Hulk and he can't which die. Also, yeah, which also is significant to that story. Uh, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, yep, is also very fun because she beats like super villains that are way out of her league. Sort yeah. of easily she takes down Ultron. She's unbeatable. You can't beat her. <laughs> Um, so there's sometimes they had to do a fun with that, but yeah, uh, most of them. And for a long time, you know, the mighty Avengers or the, uh, uh, invincible mighty, Iron mighty Man, Thor, um, uh, uncanny X-Men. Yeah. They're it's all, just, they're just, they're just, they're just adjectives because that's what you do. Cause that's what Stan did. Cause it was fun. Nothing against that, but it's fun that they have found a way to make that part of the story. Um, well, that's a lot of preamble. Do you want to get into this issue? Will? Should we, should we take a break and then do it? Um, well, we, I think we should. 
get yeah, into it a little. A break. Get into it. Yeah, a little we can bit. get into it because we're going to also cover six ninety nine and seven hundred. We got a lot to get through. We got a long episode, people. So buckle in. Let's let's get into it a little bit. Let's get into this a little bit. And again, I, I want to put you in the mindset of me reading this, not either not remembering the hype or not they're having not been hype into yeah. reading. So I'm going to mention sometimes while we read this, like what my thoughts were on this page. If you were the, the spider chat guys, you would have been up to speed. But since you're us, I wouldn't you would have, have missed had anything. No idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Issue 698, the cover. We see, it's, it's hard to even tell it's Doc Ock. It's a guy who's like, I guess we see his like arms yeah. in the shot, but it's like a, 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 a guy who's <laughs> looks old or just he's desiccated. Like a mad, he's like a Mad Max villain. Yeah, in a hospital bed with things strapped to him and he's in bad shape and he's just saying the words Peter Parker and he looks evil as as F. Yeah, he looks he's on his deathbed, he's dying, and he's saying, Peter Parker. And he looks scary. But let me just say that as as cool as this cover is, it it could be standard fare for a for an issue of Spider-Man, right? We gotta yeah, go and, and do it, something scary. And definitely his status quo at this point in the comic was that he was in bad shape. He was dying. We we knew this before this issue, as if you were reading the comic for a while, okay. that Doc Ock at this point was dying. I don't know if it had much impact on me because I don't expect deaths to mean anything. So I was like, Doc Ock's not going to die. Sure. Or if he dies, he'll be back. Yeah. I mean, he's died at least once before. <laughs> okay. So then we start the comic. Right. We, we go to the raft, maximum security prison for superhuman inmates. As a fan of the video game, I didn't realize how much the video game was established. I didn't know the raft was a thing in the comics, but it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Raft is a, a supervillain prison for it's a like long the, time. The Arkham of Marvel, basically. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's a Ravencroft that's more of the Arkham. The raft is more of just a prison. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I saw Ra Ravencroft's in this too. Yeah, that's more of a direct parallel to Arkham. Yeah, um, right. And so, okay, so we open on the uh, the raft. All the guards going nuts. There's like something going wrong at the raft. Yeah, there's like an alarm going off. They're running by a bunch of villains. Spider Slayer is secure. Morbius is secure. Lizard is secure. Um, and then they go into the room with Doc Ock. And there's like 30 guys training machine guns at this guy who's like in an iron lung. <laughs> He's completely immobilized. There's just millions of cables holding him down. Uh, and it's just a funny sight to see uh, all these guards with guns being scared of this person, in which they call that out. Yes, but but they also talk about how Doc Ock has very recently like controlled machines with his mind and like almost destroyed the world, so they're not taking any chances. And he's trying to say something. This Doc Ock is trying to say something, and they don't know what he's trying to say. Um, and, uh, and it so takes the like head, three pages. The head guard gets in close, and it's yeah. this really gruesome drawings of Doc Ock looking really bad, and he tries to mumble the words Peter Parker. And so at this time in the story... We're just thinking, all right, here's our villain, Doc Ock, obsessed with his nemesis. Yeah. Saying that's that's what I thought when I read this. Sure. Doc Ock would say Peter Parker. if he Does he know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker? Is there something else going on? We don't know. Should we just say, can we just talk spoilery, what it ends up meaning? I mean, we've already said it. So what we find out at the end of this issue is that Doc Ock has switched bodies with Peter Parker. That's right. This is Peter Parker in the body of Doc Ock saying who he is, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to say, yes. I'm Peter Parker. That's right. And it's, we don't it, know that at this time. And we when don't I was know reading that. this, I did not know this. Uh, it's such a great, like, switcheroo. You see this and it's like, all right, Doc Ock knows Spider-Man's Peter Parker. But then the issue is like, oh, no, this is Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a very what fun. A it's a really fun. 
It's a very fun reveal. Uh, we pan away from Doc Ock's deathbed to a little robot that had been in some preceding stories. But I think even as I was reading this, I, I didn't really fully remember this robot. Uh, but it's this Octobot, basically. And it's also saying Peter Parker. It's funny. It's an Octobot, but it looks like a spider bot. I mean, they both have eight legs. Yeah. One of the many parallels between Doc Ock and Spidey. So we see this little gold Octobot saying Peter Parker. That's right. Then we cut to a. We should say that the, this issue is drawn by Richard Elson. Thank you, Richard Elson. Great job. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to sort of the table of contents or splash page, which is a cover of the Daily Bugle, which seems to be something that they're going to use a lot in the series to sort of recap where we're at. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while. That is not specific to this run. Okay. It had been going on in the front of Amazing for well, a while. It's a fun and, way to do a recap. As an idiot, I did not know that. And this, and because I was not reading Spidey this time, this is new to me. And it is a fun way to kind of yeah. catch you up on all the threads that we're going to see. Right. And then we cut to Spider-Man swinging through the city. Um, and his captions throughout this comic are very interesting to me throughout. So we know now, having read this, that these are Doc Ock saying these things or thinking these things. Yes, but it what we think is that it's just Peter Parker who's super excited to be Spider-Man, which is not out of character. Right. And he says in this first page, my name is Peter Parker. I'm the amazing Spider-Man. And today I can just tell today is going to be the best day ever. Now, Spider-Man being in a good mood isn't that out of the – I mean, he's often not in a good mood. <laughs> he's often sad and, and feeling beaten up, but sometimes he feels good about things. So this just feels like, oh, this is nice. This is going to, you read this page, you're like, it's going to come crashing down. Doc Ock is saying his name. He thinks it's the best day ever. It's totally yep. not going to be the best day this ever. That's so all fun about the like. story is it works on its false level as just a normal, not a normal, but as, you know, as a typical like Spidey story. But then it also works flipped like that. It's Doc Ock in a young body, the body yeah. of his nemesis. Um, and on this next page, he says some things that like should have set off alarm bells in my head, I think, but they didn't. Like he sort of says, with all I've been through recently, I deserve this. That does not sound like Peter. It's not quite Peter Parker, but he has moments where he thinks things like that. He's like, oh, it's been rough. I need a good day. Yeah. There's a, there's a tinge of ego to that that I didn't detect. But when I, I, when I finished this issue, this is one of those issues you finish and you reread again immediately. Yep, that's what I did. And uh, that line now sticks out to me in a way that it didn't my first read through. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the point of being Spider-Man if you can't enjoy it? Web swinging, web crawling, all of New York, your own personal playground. What could possibly, I mean, this does read like a typical Spidey setup. Yeah. Uh, so someone screams, Spider-Man, help. Uh, and he lands. And here's the first thing I remember reading this and going, that felt like a weird, that felt out of voice. He lands and goes, what now? Yeah, he sounds annoyed. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that felt a little off. I trust Dan Slott. I liked his writing up to this point, but I remember in my mind going, ah. it 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 set like a like a moment of just like, oh, it took me out for a second. That's not Spider Man. Ah, whatever. This guy doesn't miss much. Uh, uh, I trust him. Um, stay where you are, or I destructor will fry you where I stand. So we see yeah, sort of a garden variety supervillain holding up a store. There's some big like robot type thing, and Spider Man knocks it out with one punch. Um. Uh, uh, yeah, and he finds out on the next page that this robot was just some guy who like had a non-functioning robot suit that he was just using to threaten people. He had no real powers. Right. There's an interesting thing the cop says, which is like the uh, the cops have um, figured out uh, 
with harsher sentences for holding up places with toy guns, crooks get around it by pretending to be supervillains. So they get the threat of having a gun without using a real gun and they avoid like gun punishment, I guess. Yeah. Kind of of a fun idea. And the cop says, nobody's blaming you, Spidey, because Spider-Man punched this guy so hard he almost killed him. Uh, And Spider-Man's response is, blaming me for what? Yeah, also, that makes much more sense when you know it's Doc Ock. Yeah, and it's another one of those things that's like, I could sort of justify Spider-Man saying that, but it doesn't quite feel like him. Like, he does often feel like, why do I get blamed so much? But he just seems a little angrier than he should. Yeah, so it's like for hitting him like you're taking on the Hulk, but I still need you to come down to the station and fill out some, and Spidey's already swinging away. No, I don't think so. Why? Because why says the cop and Spidey's answer is because I have a life. And that really stuck out to me. That felt kind of uh, like jerky. I have a life. But this is like, that just, when I read that, I'm like, okay, that's what this issue is going to be about. Peter Parker's having one of his, I'm going to be selfish for a change, which he does occasionally, and it always comes crashing back to him. You know, Spidey is not allowed to dodge his responsibilities. The universe punishes him. Um, But it is like a story that happens now and then. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. That's why all these notes have, that's why these occasional dialogue things have been weird. This is a day when PD's being kind of full of himself. It happens. Me not having read the issues before, I'm like, maybe they've been building up to this. Okay, fine. And and also like reading this next page we're about to get into, I read these sort of as like he's, when he's talking just to himself, I'm like, oh, he's being sarcastic. Uh, Because you don't hear tone when you read a comic book. Yeah. But now... And knowing the end of it, it's like, oh, he's not being sarcastic. This is all being very sincere because his next line is the nerve of some people. I provided a free public service, which is like a very funny thing for Peter Parker to say, like, this is a public service, him fighting robots. But I, Doc Ock is being completely sincere when he says that. Um, Yeah. And so then he flies. He's like, look, I got a good life. I got a great apartment, boyish good looks. And then he notices a cut in his face and he can't remember it. Where'd I get that from? All oh, right, razor bat to the face during the Hobgoblin fight. And we do a little flashback to a recent fight that I guess he had with the Hobgoblin. This is last issue, according to editor Steve, um, Steve Wacker. Uh, yeah, and like you read that and it's just sort of like, I guess they're reminding me of this story. This must be an important story point, this Hobgoblin fight. Yeah, it, 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 it might be what weird. What it's really for- doing is it's showing you that Doc Ock has to, it takes him a moment to remember all of Spider-Man's things. He has access to the memories, but if he wasn't in the body for it, he has to kind of like access them like a hard drive. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things about comic books. Like occasionally the hero conveniently needs to be reminded of stuff, but that's so that us, the reader can be reminded of stuff. So a hero kind of having bad memories doesn't totally stand out to me. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a comic book for you. The hero has to be reminded of stuff. Yep. I don't know. He checks his messages. Um, he's got a few mess, uh, messages like a Daily Bugle subscription message. Uh, Mary Jane has messaged him about a uh, plan for him to come to the club. And uh, Spider-Man thinks to himself, so much history between the two of us. Why aren't we still together? I really should rectify that immediately. Um, yeah, he's which- very salacious about Mary Jane. He's like really hot for Mary Jane and is like determined to get her back. Like Peter Parker thinking to himself, wow, why'd that go wrong? We should get back together isn't crazy. The phrase I should rectify that immediately isn't quite Peter Parker. Things are just like slightly off. Like if this had been anyone else writing it, I'd be like, this guy can't write Peter Parker. Yeah. Then next comes a thread that I think is sort of fun, which is like somebody, I guess, 
Aunt May's partner, Jay, is saying, you should come visit her. She's in the hospital. And he softens about Aunt May here, that yeah. dear sweet woman, I really should. And he, so obviously, Peter softening and prioritizing Aunt May, not weird, but saying that dear sweet woman is definitely weird. Yeah. But we remember that Doc Ock has always been sweet on Aunt May and married her at one point. Yeah. He's, like he, in one of the crazier old Spidey stories. But he was even... Of, yeah. yeah, he was nice to her even in the very first Sinister Six story. Uh, so he's always been very nice to him. But it was like this insane joke, right? Like in the Ditko story, Doc Ock runs in it and he's like, oh, he's a, he's like a total gentleman. And Aunt May is completely charmed by Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. And, but in the original Spidey story, that was like a joke, right? That was kind of like Spidey's Aunt May loves Spidey's greatest villain. <laughs> That's right. And it just kind of is there to infuriate Peter Parker. But then he marries her. But now, once again, Dan Slott is making it that Doc Ock truly is kind of sweet on May, right? Yes. Uh, Aunt May's uh, husband, I think, maybe, I don't know if they're married at this point or if they're just part uh, seeing each other. Jay, do you know who Jay is? I do not. Jay uh, Jonah Jameson Sr. JJJ's dad? Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, the one that was in that? That was in that Mark Wade uh, issues I made you read. Oh, Yeah. That made Spider-Man realize that JJJ is JJJ Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, Um, so Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson are sort of family now. Love it. Um, Okay, so we see that Doc Ock is still sweet on May. Another message is from Parker's day job, which is like being a scientist somewhere. And yeah, he's like at a, a a think lab or whatever, a brain trust. They just sit around inventing cool stuff. That's a good job for Peter Parker. It's a great job. But it's also um, a good job for Otto Octavius, who's also who also would be good at that. Yeah. Uh it's it, it's been treated as like a great job for Peter because it doesn't have set hours. He can sort of leverage the invention. He has resources to build stuff for Spider-Man and then he can leverage those to be real inventions to keep his job. Uh he it tends to make him always like keeping the job by the seat of his pants. Like he doesn't have an invention. He needs one to keep his job. And then like he has to invent something to defeat the vulture or something. And then like says, oh, this can be used to like find TV remotes. Kills three birds with one stone. The right. vulture, one bird, his job, two birds, and Spidey Tech, three birds. But it, but it makes it like he's barely working at his job. He's barely putting enough time and he should be fired. Kev, what'd you think of my three birds Because he's putting his time towards Spider-Man and he pulls it off. What'd you think of my three birds joke? I hated it. Okay. Um, the worst. It was probably the worst joke I've ever heard. Okay, well, I'm a, only a medium comedian, so that does not insult me. <laughs> it so, was. Uh, it was fine. Peter, uh, Pete, Doc Ock in Peter's job is very arrogant with his boss. Yeah, and and yeah, as you said, like this sort of reads just like Peter's being a little big for his britches. Yeah, he's gonna get us come which up, he, and... which he'll do it every now and then. Yes. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I be like this? Yeah, since Amazing Fantasy 15, he's always had moments of feeling like, well, I'm looking up for number coming one. up me. Yep. Uh, and so here he is doing breakthroughs for Horizon, having flashbacks to earlier memories of doing stuff. But we know that we learned that this is Doc Ock kind of, kind of getting a new appreciation for Spidey's life, like being truly impressed with high school Pete inventing web fluid. It's also really nice as a, if this is your first issue, which I can't imagine this was promoted as a way to get people to read as their first issue, but it's a great introduction to Spider-Man, his powers, his current status quo, yeah. because Doc Ock is remembering it all and getting acquainted with it all. We're also being introduced to it as readers. 
And uh, one of the, I, I'm sort of new to Dan Slott's stories, uh, and I, he's written so many of them that that's insane, but nonetheless, it's true. And he, I'm really impressed just with how well he keeps it moving. Like we kind of go from him being arrogant at his day job, flashing back through Peter's history as a science guy, right into um, getting back on trying to win MJ. Like the, yeah. the the segues are really good, I guess is what I'm saying. It's time I started living up to my full potential as a man of science as well as a man. Uh, also on that same page on the first panel, the way he dresses as a scientist is very mad scientisty. Right. Doc Ock and Parker's body looks total mad scientist. He's got big black gloves, uh, uh, jacket like zipped up to the neck and big goggles over his eyes like Doc Ock would wear. He looks like he's evil. Second to last panel, we see him taking off his lab coat to go on his date with MJ. And there's a little glimpse of alternate Spidey suits. Yeah. And so these have all been worn in the recent comics. Yeah. But it's good. Just a good way to show that that's what Peter uses this lab for. Yes. Modern Marvel artists got to like serve the current story and also the decades of continuity or even just the recent months of continuity. They do a good job of uh, covering all that. People are good. Yeah. is what I'm saying. Uh, and I think after this next page is when we're going to take our break. Well, we okay, cut I'll, to be, the I'll be emotionally ready for it. Great. Uh, we're going to cut to the club where Peter's meeting up with Mary Jane. And so he's being uh, very uh, assertive with her about wanting her back and um, yeah, kind of wanting to sleep with her, kind of wanting to get physical with her. Yeah. And Mary Jane is open to it, but sort of surprised it seems to be coming all the, uh, on all of a sudden to her. Yeah. Which, we're supposed to be together, Mary Jane. I know it. You know it. Let's do something about it. Let's go somewhere. Just the two of us. And she's totally surprised. Yeah. Uh, but she mentions that they're supposed to go see Aunt May and Jay right now. Uh, which he is kind of a little dismayed, but says, sure. And she's willing to do that. And meanwhile, there's two other attractive women in this club and he winks at them and says, ladies, that's definitely not very Peter. Yeah. It's very weird for Peter to do that. Like, You'd almost think he was being sarcastic, but like now at this point, like all these sort of off moments, I remember reading this going, what is going on? This is really weird. Yeah. There's something else going on here and I don't get it. I remember uh, thinking that for sure. Even dumb should, old, even dumb old Will Hines thought that. Uh, ben, you know where this is going. Now I do. I mean, didn't you know going in, you knew this was about Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's body. I know. I, I'm so dumb that I was like, well, I don't know when that's going to happen. Like maybe, maybe. Peter is going to be so arrogant that he will do something dumb that lets Doc Ock take him over. Okay, you didn't I, realize it had already happened. I did not realize it had already happened. I mean, it happens sort of in between issues is also like the trick. Like he was not in control last issue. Yeah. It's, it's a nice tricky way to do it. Anyway, on that uh, creepy wink, let's take a break. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother, Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts, a slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, we might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks in advance from Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. How'd you spend your break? 
I went for a nice little walk. Um, you know, I did a little stir fry. Sure. How about you? Uh, I went up to uh, Salt Lake City for a while. Oh. I spent like a weekend I, up there. I was just there in January. Yeah. Great place. It's just, it's just nice to get away. Oh, sure. When we had the time. Anyway. Anyway, boom, back. Let's get back to work. Peter, Doc Ock in Peter's body, which we as the reader do not officially know that yet, with MJ is visiting Aunt May in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yes, Aunt May has been hurt recently. She's sort of in rehab, getting uh, stronger at walking. Dating JJJS? Uh, yeah. Dating uh, yeah, or married. I can't remember if they're married yet or not. Okay. But uh, committed yeah. to, partnered with. I mean, it's a strong relationship. It's a good, it's a good strong relationship. I like. It sounds like you're approving of it. I, he's a great guy. Okay. Um, Peter, his Avengers ID card is ringing, and it surprises him because he forgot that he was a member of the Avengers. I, as the yes. reader, also forgot that. Yeah, it, him being a member of the Avengers feels very weird. He doesn't feel like a good fit for the Avengers to me I ever. Agree. He's a loner. Uh, Though, uh, when I remember hearing the pitch that Brian Michael Bendis made at Marvel, why Spider-Man should be on the Avengers. He's basically like, you mean you've never had Spider-Man or Wolverine on the Avengers? Why not? <laughs> like, they're your two most popular characters. And like, Avengers was not selling well. And they're like, yeah, I guess, I guess why not? And so he's like, I'll do it. I mean, within the continuity of it, if you had a team of superheroes, they are aware of Spider-Man and he would be incredibly useful in almost any situation, right? And just like if you're if you are trying to sell like, hey, let's bring all our most popular characters together on a team. Yeah, that's the point of like most that's teams when, is like when the Avengers was first created, Spidey was not yet their top character. Yeah, I mean the Avengers a little bit I think felt like a catch-all for all these other characters because FF were their number one. That was a team already. Yeah. Um, but like Justice League is basically the best DC characters on a team together. Right. That's right. And, and the so Avengers like, is like all of your best characters except for the top two. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, we're just going to do like, your, the best of your B team is basically what the yeah. Avengers always was. And so yeah. Brian Michael Bendis was like, let's just put the best characters on this team. Let's make it Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man and Wolverine. Uh, and uh, then it became like the best selling comic Marvel had for a long time. Um. But yes, so Spider-Man is not a typical Avengers member. Uh, he has forgotten in this comic because he is not he. He is Doc Ock. So yes. he has to race off for Avengers business. Mary Jane makes excuses. Uh, uh, Jay Jonas Sr. is sort of mad at Peter racing off. Everyone else is sort of used to it. That's what Peter does. He races off yeah. to Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. Uh, he goes to the... Um... He's taken to the raft, which is where he's being summoned, and the Avengers are waiting for him, which is Captain America, Wolverine, Spider-Woman, and Hawkeye. Yep, and so I like Captain America's look here. Yeah, he's a little he, – he's been movie movie eyes. His movie look has sort of uh, affected his he's in comics. the, the leatherhead football helmet look. You know, the wings no longer stick off the helmet. Um, yeah. Uh, Hawkeye also has been affected by the movie. He doesn't wear his – like little drapey thing over the crotch. He doesn't really wear a costume at all. He just has sunglasses and like kind of a cool shirt. Jeremy Rennerized. Yeah. Um, so Cap says to Spidey, Doc Ock's asking for you. And he's he's asking for Peter Parker. And Spider-Man goes, take me to him. But of course, now we know that Doc Ock's like, all right, the guy I switched bodies with is calling for me. Yeah, he's not surprised. Uh, Spider-Man seems all business here. 
uh, we know that it's stuck up going, well, I knew this was coming. Um, and he wants to do it in private. They respect that. But of course, it's because he's an evil villain. And he leans over. He also says no cameras. He gets them to turn off the camera so nobody knows what Peter Parker and Spider-Man are talking about here. Cap thinks he's doing it just to be nice to protect Spider-Man's secret identity. Right. Um, but really what's happening is Spider-Man doesn't want people to know he's Dr. Octopus. So Doc Ock in Spider-Man's body, again, we don't know that. We're about to find out, says, all right, we're alone. Is this what you wanted? You had something you wanted to say to me? And the feeble Doc Ock body is just mumbling Peter Parker. Uh, and this is the big reveal on the next page, Kev. Yep. Um, yes. Uh, Spider-Man takes off his mask and goes, yes, I'm Peter Parker. And Doc Ock's response is, I'm Peter Parker. With a fearful look in his eye. And like all at once, it's like, oh, this makes sense. This, it, From my perspective, the switch that I've heard this story is about has already happened. Yeah. What was I it like reading it for the first time? I think I remember reading this. I think I remember at this moment going back to page one and starting to read again. At this very moment, being like all those little things that were like rankling me, being like, oh, I got to read this again. I feel like I missed everything. And then what is outlined here is like such a horrific scenario. Uh, the Peter Parker body with Doc Ock inside of it says to the Doc Ock body, not anymore, Spider-Man. From now on, I am Peter Parker. I have all your memories. I know everything you knew. I have your life and everything that comes with it. And now you and you are now Otto Octavius with what little time you have left trapped in that broken body brought about by years of your brutal beatings. And now like a good magician, I shall not reveal my secret. You will die, never knowing how I perform my last and greatest trick. It's like the premise of this series is laid out here. Yeah. And then Doc immediately has like a heart attack. Uh, it's an incredibly great uh, reveal, I guess, of what's happening. Dramatic. The idea itself is compelling. At that moment, I was like, oh, he's been Doc Ock this whole time. I think I might have done a little flip and back also. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. Uh, he walks out with the Avengers while they're like, while the Doc Ock body is getting like resuscitated. Uh, the Avengers like, is everything okay? And Spider-Man's like, yeah. Uh, it says, I've got better things to do with the rest of my life with this image of Spider-Man with the like a shadowy ghost of Doc Ock behind him. And that's the end of the issue. It's a, it's a terrific, dramatic end. I was so uh, excited. I mean, it's really a horrific thought being trapped in the body of a dying man that is also your villain. Yeah. It is like a Twilight zone -y or just a horror movie kind of situation. But then adding it to it just that it's Doc Ock and Spidey for a Spider-Man fan, I was like, ooh. And definitely from like a superhero comic where it's like every he's fought Doc Ock thousands of times and he always wins. I'm, I'm rereading the old Roger Stern, Bill Mantelow era. And I was just reading it, the issue, uh, this owl and octopus are sort of in this war together, which leads to Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock again. And Doc Ock really takes it to Spider-Man and almost beats him. But at the end, Spider-Man just beats the crap out of Doc Ock in such a commanding way that I, for years after, Doc Ock was scared of Spider-Man. And Spider-Man just seems like, oh, yeah, of course he's going to win. This there's no fight that he's not going to eventually overcome. He's Spider-Man. But you see this, it's like, how do you overcome this? Uh, and it's a fun trap to have Spider-Man left into at the end of this issue. Um, it's incredible. I really love it. It's a masterful presentation it, of a great idea. It's also, it was also very satisfying as a uh, person who was reading this comic and who had had these like moments of like, 
I feel like Dan's some of these dialogue just feels off. I think I even checked to see if someone else dialogued it at some yeah. point. Like if he plotted it and someone else scripted it. Uh, and then having that happen, I'm like, oh, he didn't dialogue it wrong. He purposefully dialogued it different. In fact, he dialogued it perfect perfectly yeah. to often work both as Peter dialogue and as Doc Ock dialogue and sort of slowly ratcheted up the Doc Ock as it went. Like mm-hmm. let you, the reader, know that something was going. I mean, slot is good, right? Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. Like, and if you're like me and you hadn't read a lot of him, this issue would convince you of what everybody has been telling you for years. Dan Slot is the man. Real quick, Will, what happens in the next two issues? Um not real well, quick, but just a uh, quick quick covering because we're not going to go into big details. But what's the broad strokes of the next couple? Well, of you issues? start seeing what are the ramifications of having Doc Ock in Spider Man's body, and it's a mixture of evil guy does not feel bound to be just, also super smart guy tries to make it more efficient to be Spider Man. Well, but that doesn't also, really happen in these two issues, right? Oh, I thought it did. In these two issues, basically, Spider Man spends his time. Uh, well, the next issue is mostly just Doc Ock. Okay, you tell me what happens. I can't remember. I've read, I've read these all in a blur. Great. So the next issue is mostly Spider-Man now is Doc Ock, and he's like, what am I going to do now? So he uh, uses his Doc Ock memories to recruit bad guys to break him out of prison. So he basically gets like a Doc Ock team of like Hydro Man and, and the Trapster and uh, 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 one other person, uh, uh, Scorpion, to break him out of prison so that he can take the fight to Doc because he's got to stop Doc Ock, who's now in the Spider-Man body. So that's all this next issue is. He also learns that the lizard is uh, – Kurt Connors is in control of the lizards but hasn't told anybody. Um. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Man, the way they draw Doc Ock's body is so horrific. Yeah, he's gone through a lot. Then we get to issue 700. Um, uh, and there was also like a weird 699.1 that I did not – uh, send you will because it's bad. It's basically just a Morbius one shot. Okay. Uh, Morbius likes, escapes in the um Yeah. And he spins the- off into his own series that gets canceled very quickly. Okay. Uh but anyway, so then this issue uh uh Doc Ock Peter is trying to like get with Mary Jane, but it doesn't work because he finds out that Doc Ock escapes from prison. So then Peter Parker plans to leave the country. To basically just he has to wait for Doc Ock's body to die is what he's waiting for. Yep, exactly. He's like, I might as well get out of here. There's no reason to stay. Yeah. Um, what do I gain from that? What do I gain from confronting him? Um, uh, Spider-Man uh, has like a little brief thing of memories, but eventually uh, gets a challenge somehow at the Doc Ock that works. Like basically makes Doc Ock want to face him again and he basically baits his ego right yeah it's like pride he gets jonah who i think is the mayor of the city right now uh who talks about how doc ock is sort of pathetic and and a loser and a failure and that gets at doc's ego so he's like all right i want to i want i'll face him and beat him i don't need to run from this fight yeah and Um, it's and I, I had forgotten because I was reading so fast, but it's a really fun setup that like Peter in the Doc Ock body has recruited supervillains to fight Doc Ock in the Spider-Man body. But from the outside, it just looks like Doc Ock's up to his old tricks, recruiting right. supervillains to fight Spidey. 
at one point when Doc Ock, spy, uh, the real good Spider-Man, is um, breaking into like a, a, a lab to get this gold octobot that he needs for, to do the mind transfer, his ex-girlfriend, who's a cop, Carly Cooper, pulls a gun on him, and he basically tells her what's going on. He goes, I, I'm not Doc Ock. I'm Spider-Man. I used a device, he used a device to swap our brains, and, and she just doesn't believe him. He tells her that I know you know I'm actually Peter Parker. Mary Jane's the only other person that knows. He's saying things real fast that like yeah. only Peter would, should know. And she yeah. just doesn't believe it. Because why would you? Why would it you? It sounds so crazy. Insane. But this does plant the seed in her mind of the truth. And she starts becoming like a su- suspecting the truth. Yes. And future issues that we're not covering yet well, she does do those things. Yes. <laughs> Jumping ahead. It's a, it all kind of blurs together. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, she shoots at him and, and a ricochet hits her. Uh, but otherwise, uh, so it seems like he attacks her a little bit, so, which yeah. sort of supports her belief that she is evil still, that Doc right. Ock is Doc Ock. Uh, Spider-Man gathers all of Spider-Man's friends and families in the one place, sort of as a threat to the real Peter Parker. Yeah, saying, look, I can, I've got access to all the people you care about. Uh, he sends like the police after uh, Spider-Man. Um like, because he knows where the base is, he knows where he knows where Doc Ock's base is, because he is Doc Ock. Um, right, uh, Spidey has access to all of Doc's memories. Is one of the fun things we realize. Yes, um, and so basically, Spider-Man as Doc Ock goes to Avengers Mansion because he wants to get to the Avengers. He wants to show them what's happening and hope that they can use this gold Octobot to fix it. Yeah, he's he's got a team of superheroes. He's not doing this alone. He's going to go to them, but by the time he gets there, Spider Man has gotten the Avengers to chase after other octopus robots that are he that that uh, the the real Doc Ock is unleashed on the world to get them out of there so that Spider Man has no friends. And so the villains show up, and it's just Spider Man and Doc Ock and his and his super villain friends. This story is uh, so confusing. I think we should say Peter and Otto. Versus Doc Ock and Spidey when we're sure. talking about the spirits. Okay. So for my yes. sake. So Otto has sent the Avengers elsewhere so that when Peter shows up with the supervillains, there's no one to help him. Yeah. Um, uh, and also Otto has the Avengers mansion security system on his side. Yes. So Peter cannot use his superhero allies at all. That's right. But he's got his supervillain allies who think they're helping Doc Ock, but they're actually helping Peter. But during this fight, every now and then, Otto's having flashes of Peter memories. Right. This is one of the coolest layers of the story. Yeah. Like there's a moment where Aunt May just says, I love you so much. And Peter, just like a moment of Aunt May telling Peter how much she loves him. Yeah. And it cuts back to Otto and Spidey's body going, what the hell was that? Yeah. What's that memory for? Um, and they keep fighting and like, obviously everyone's trying to help Spider-Man win. Cause he's the good guy in their mind. Um, uh, and, the, and basically at some point, Otto pushes Spider-Man through the window, basically going, I, I'm just going to kill you. Even if it kills me, because yeah. that's better. It's better if we both die. I'm yeah. going to die anyway. I might as well kill you with me. That way my friends and family are all safe. But it doesn't work. Uh, Spider-Man builds like a big cushion to catch himself on. Uh, Spider-Man seems surprised by that. I feel like he's done that before. But um, uh, And then Spider-Man tries to use the gold Octobot to like 
re- rewrite their brains back to normal. Peter tries to do that. Uh, but Otto has put metal armor around his head because he knew that's, he knows what the trap is. He know he like knows how to rewrite. He's the one who came up with the idea of rewriting brains. So yeah. he's protecting himself from that and it doesn't work. And, uh, Otto, uh, Peter's going to die. His body is crumpled. He's on the ground. He hit the ground hard. He's not built for this. He is yeah. all going to die. Um, but but then he uses the connection through the gold octobot to basically f- remind Otto of all of Peter's memories, and makes Peter like re relive his origin and like the biggest touchstone moments of his life. Makes yeah, uh, makes Peter Otto. makes Otto relive Peter's origin stories. Right. Uh, formative get- moments kind of and it turns out that he thinks he's dying um so in the last moments he's going to basically if he can't get his body back he'll make Otto good yeah so that spidey will be good and we get Even this like Peter's page, dead we get this page of like peter parker memories but with Otto drawn in the peter parker spot so great so effective so we see like uncle ben and aunt may uh loving Otto instead of Otto's abusive father um we see him letting the thief run away and, and the thief killing his uncle. We see uh, uh, people dying. We see uh, uh, Captain Stacy and Gwen dying. Um, we see like him lifting the huge metal off of his back. We see Venom. We see him fighting the juggernaut. We see all these huge, huge moments of like Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man, but instead it's Otto becoming Spider-Man. Um, and, and, Peter basically says, yes, it's who we are. Um, and and Spider and Otto says, I don't want this. Right. To which Peter responds, too late. Careful what you wish for, Spidey. Uh, yeah. And Otto says, tell me, why do I, how can I do this? Which Peter responds, because you have to, because with great power. <laughs> and Otto responds, must come great responsibility. It's like yeah. he's learned this lesson in like a, he crammed and learned this lesson very quickly that he yeah. he needs to use his power responsibly. Yeah. And it it is presented to us that it works, that he is sort of won over, right. that he is convinced that he must be a good hero. Yeah, and he's and he had the last two pages is him basically making the speech in his inner monologue. No, I will carry on in your name. You may be leaving the world, but you are not leaving it to a villain. I swear I will be Spider Man. because uh, through these three issues he has not been Spider Man. He's just been Peter Parker. Um uh, he goes, better yet, with my unparalleled genius and my boundless ambition, I'll be a better Spider-Man than you ever were. From this day forth, I shall become the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's how Amazing Spider-Man ends. With a little, uh, there's, we see Spidey's body, but in behind is like a, an image of kind of an octopusified Spider-Man. Right, which will be his new costume in the new series eventually. Um, what a great uh, ending. Um you know, Peter's defeated physically, but he wins psychologically in a way, a partial victory. Like he at least yeah. gets to make Otto good. He's like, I'm not, he basically is trying to protect the world. Yeah, it's a very weird death of a, a superhero. De- superheroes die all the time. Captain America's died by this point. Superman's died. Batman had his back broken. Um, it- but it's a weird one because like not only is he dead but like his body is still there so it's like this there is a spider-man and it still looks like peter parker but, but peter parker a, is doc dead. Ock, a doc ock who's learned the lessons of peter parker 
as Spider-Man going forward. And so it's you're, a very interesting status quo. And you're, and but you he's read still, this issue, and you're very excited for what's to come. Yeah, and he even says because uh, the weird twist right at the end there, I'll be, I'll be better than you were. I'll use my like, <laughs> I'll use my like mad scientist ambition, but I'll apply yeah. it to good ends. Like he's, he's, he wants to do good things, but he's still got the ego of Doc Ock. Yeah. So he goes, I will be the superior Spider-Man. Um, and then the, the series starts in full with issue one, which we'll cover uh, in our next full episode of the podcast or non triple uh, triffants uh, about the X-Men. Right. We'll do our little trifle about the sort of unimportant Claremont X-Men run next episode. And then we'll yeah. return to this, the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it's it was I, I was so affected by this uh, amazing Spider-Man 700. I was like blown away. I was like, oh, this is an incredible setup to a story. Yeah. Again, it could be you could do a shallow version of this body switching thing for an issue or two. Be totally serviceable, yeah. even a good Spidey issue. But now with this emotional layer of Doc Ock wrestling his evil nature versus Peter's good nature, um, plus the art representations of auto mixed into Peter's memories. Um, it's just, uh, and of course, as we'll see in the future, I'm going to spoil a little bit. Peter is sees Otto's memories and he kind of gains empathy for Otto's perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, is really yeah. fun. Lots of things have been sort of set at this moment. It feels just like Peter is gone, completely gone out of the picture. There's no way he's coming back. He's dead. Yeah. Um, we're going to see very quickly next issue that, Maybe not completely dead. Right. Um, but even where you are, that even gets twisted further, Will. Is, uh, so I know more than you. Yeah. Uh, and there's more twists and turns to come from where you are at. So enjoy that. Well, I just want to say to every single person who recommended this to us, thank you, because uh, you're absolutely were right. This is an incredible story. I personally am glad to have read it. I'm psyched we're digging in on it a little bit. And I've heard so much about Dan Slott. And of course, I read issue 801 with Kevin's recommendation. And that's an, an incredible story. It's, it's hard to use Marvel adjectives. It's hard to use adjectives to yeah. say something's good because you invariably invoke the Hulk or Spider-Man. But mm -hmm. Dan Slott's obviously an amazing and incredible, a mighty and uncanny and invincible writer. Some would say fantastic. <laughs> so uh, some would say astonishing. I mean, they would. I mean, some would. Yeah, so some might say, say invincible, strange or doctorish. <laughs> doctor is not an adjective. <laughs> the doctorist, Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's a very fun comic. It's a very um, insane. S someone recently compared it to uh, Craven's Last Hunt with the idea that Craven like proved that he could be a better Spider-Man than Spider-Man. Mm, yes, there's, there's a little bit of overlap there. There's a tiny bit of that though. This is a much more comic booky blown out version of that. I mean, the whole, like, we're not way. so different, you and I, between the hero and villain, that's true in so many great superhero, mm -hmm. supervillain stories, but this is sort of taken to the nth degree. We're not so different, you and I. In fact, I have switched bodies and now have access to your memories, which really make us not so different. Yeah. Um, uh, there's some really fun reveals in, in the future issues, uh, which we'll get into, uh, of Doc just getting used to Spider-Man's life. Well... Um, Kudos to Dan Slott for being a terrific writer. Kudos to Richard for being a great artist. Also, kudos to Marvel for going in on this. Yeah, and this all takes place before his Spider-Verse story. Uh, later on, when he does his Spider-Verse story, he's able to have this version of Spider-Man team up with Peter Parker's version of Spider-Man, and that's very fun, too. Makes you really appreciate how important Dan Slott is to the legacy. Like, 
obviously Stan and Steve will always be the most important Spidey creators. They mm-hmm. created it and did an amazing and a great job with it. Yeah. Um, but now I'm realizing slots got to be number two, right? Like he, especially with the impact on the movies, like if he did the spider for story, he did this story, the video yeah. game I played has got slot all over it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely over the modern Spider-Man, he has got the most influence uh, of anyone. His, I mean, he's been the main writer during that period. Uh, uh, James and Maddie's, had some important stuff. Roger Stern, of course, did some Stern. big stuff. I was trying to rank it in my head. I was like, I mean, I've only read this much. I was like, okay, slots number two after the Stan Steve <laughs> team. Probably Roger Stern's three. And then I don't know. I don't know who maybe James. I mean, you got to put Gary Conway in there who killed Gwen Stacy. I don't know. I might put him number five. Is five so bad? Is five? I don't think five is disrespectful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very, it's a very, it's a very tough ranking when you get into it. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, in David, volume David, of issues, Slot's got them all beat, right? Dave, uh, yes, he does. David Michelini, of course, invented Venom. Like, there's all guys. These guys I mean, have... all these people are great, and they've they've contributed. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Venom. All right, oof, maybe number three. Yeah, no, I'm only kidding. I think Roger Stern's three. Um, yeah. So uh, how you rank them? Uh, you're just gonna get people mad at you, well, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rank them. Uh, the absolute definitive ranking: Stan and Steve one, Dan Slot two, Stern three. No arguments. Jim Shooter four, just for the Secret Wars. No, I'm only kidding. I'm gonna say Denny O'Neill one. One. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So insane. <laughs> That's such an insane. Frank Miller uh-huh. one. He wrote some uh, Spidey stories. Sure, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, John Byrne. He drew some team ups. He's the number two most important uh, creator. Chris Claremont and John Byrne's run in Marvel team up, the second greatest run of Spider-Man comics ever, after Denny O'Neill's run. Um, hey, if you want to email us and tell me what an idiot I am for this ranking or anything else, you can email us at screwitcomics at gmail. We have a Twitter account, screwitcomics, and an Instagram account, screwitcomics. Kevin puts these screenshots of what we're talking about. It's, an, it's a great Instagram account. If you're a fan of this podcast, please listen. We'll be back next week with some mutants and some mail. Then we'll come back and cover issues one, two, and three of Superior Spider-Man after that. Um, I'll be missing. We'll I'll be reading there. way ahead, so I will mix up what issues we're doing. But I'll I'll try to keep it straight. Yeah, we'll, we'll constantly refer to things that are happening <laughs> that are, will happen in five issues from now. Kevin, I'll keep it straight. I, I reread these maybe a month ago, preparing for the season, and now I'm just reading them as we get ready for the podcast. Uh, so I'm fresh on what we're going to talk about. So that should keep me clear. We'll see you uh, next episode, everybody. That's it. This is a packed episode. Well, we did great. We did superior. Bye. Hello, listeners of Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics. Are you ready for a promo? My name is Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan of true crime. Every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and boy, they are a lot. Some of them are famous. Some of them are weirdly under the radar, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. How does that make you feel, Nikki? Nervous. Are you ready to hear a story? No. Too bad. Here comes Muriel's Murders. So join us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. Campfire.